What's up, y'all? Welcome to another episode of Worldly Church Girl. It's your girl, your host, Lillian Harshaw. On today's show, I have Senior Associate Pastor, Bible College Instructor, an Executive Board Member of the National Women's Forum, and author, Dr. Valerie Simpson. So, you are a senior associate pastor, a Bible college instructor, an executive board member of the National Women's Forum, a wife, a mother, a grandmother, a public speaker, a motivational speaker, an author, and above all, a Holy Ghost-filled woman of God of over 51 years. Yeah, so after so many years, you start accumulating titles. overflowing (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly so So, those things kind of just fell in place yeah yeah so with that being said what does your typical day look like well now it has changed vastly over the past two years it was uh well i'm not working so i am going to just enjoy some of the books that I had to read while I was in school that I didn't get a chance to just fully grasp. So I was going to go back and pick up some books, rest, do some things around the house. And then it changed with COVID and uh, the beginning of the new corporation. So now my days begin with a good uh, let's say, you know, a, a, a good hour or so of prayer. I just feel so grounded and prepared for whatever may or may not come. doesn't say it won't come, but I'll be prepared when it does. So that'll be the beginning of my day. And from there, I'll go ahead and just like I'm going to work and, you know, the whole shower, get dressed, put your makeup on, put your hair on. <laughs> put my hair up. <laughs> Or put it up, whatever I'm going to do in these COVID days, these these buns on top of the head are working good. Mm -hmm. And then I'll come come into the office and turn on the computer and I'll either start writing or I'll start making contacts or I'll just do some study. There's always something to do. And uh, after that, pretty much my husband is up and, and I'll cook dinner and get him off to work and... Then it's back in here to this. I'm just kind of uh, from, I guess, the computer with my studies and with my writing. Two, maybe I'll just watch a lot of the news TV um, all day long, talk to some friends, and then there's some Skypes I'm always on or a Zoom uh, conference that we're on. So the days are busy. I'm busier now than I was when I was in the office every day. Mm-hmm. And isn't that funny? Seem like with COVID, your our days have become more fruitful, more so oh, now than it has prior to. Yes, and I am so glad to hear yes. that because we really were in the in the corporate world. Uh, if you were committed to your job and pretty loyal and uh, reliable, then you were the kind of person that went to work. That was, there was no question about Mm -hmm. it, whether you had bad weather or good weather. You got up, you went to work. And then when you got there, you gave them 100%. Perhaps opportunity would come for a promotion or other opportunities, or at the very least, you'd have a good reference. So you went in and you gave them everything. 
You were yes. there. You belonged to them for those eight hours. And then you came home and then you proceeded to live your personal life. So your personal life followed your corporate life. And you've given so much through the day that you're not able to give as much because we're human and our energy level, you know, there's so much we can give in the cleaning and cooking and the socialization, you know, at home. And so when the pandemic hit, there were many things that happened that we are going to grieve about for years. But when the pandemic hit, it freed us up. And now we're available. I feel like I am available to God for those full eight hours a day minimum, giving him, giving him my best and not making someone else wealthy, but depositing into the kingdom and making my contributions there. So I think it was so designed that, you know, God could have us back as his instruments and uh, settle us and show us, listen, you have gifts in you. You have a call on you. You have an assignment to fulfill. And there are many wonderful things. And don't worry about the financial aspect. I'll see to that. So for me, the uh, exchange was wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful and fulfilling. Yes, absolutely. I agree with you 100%. COVID was the time for us to like you said, to um, those seeds that was in us to finally to grow. Yes, yes. And then some were already starting to sprout. Mm-hmm. Once you see the little peak coming up through the dirt and, mm-hmm. you know, you know it's germinating. But you're not sure that you're going to go in that direction because you don't know if that's going to be reliable income or you don't know how stable it is or how long it'll last. So some things for many of us were apparent that 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 was the direction God was taking us in. But there were some questions and we had some reservations and wanted to be sure. Well, it does. Whenever God has something for you, I believe it falls before you and you have to trip over it. Mm -hmm. He just puts it in your path in such a way that there's no mistake about it. So that's the way that it, it, it worked out, that this just fell into order. As soon as I stopped working, things just started falling in place. Amen. Amen. Now, what would you say um, begin your walk in the ministry? Ooh, so the ministry goes back as far as being a minister and the gospel goes back to 1985 and that was that was a it was a juncture in my life where I became so overwhelmingly committed to the gospel I had gotten saved as a young teenager I think I was 13 and I gotten saved and when at that time, I was, of course, you know, you don't have anything. You don't have a job. You don't have to worry about that. Somebody's taking care of you. So all you have to do is go to school and, of course, you know, your homework and so forth. When we had opportunity to go to church, I was totally given over to it. But then later on in life, things started changing as you age and you get into your uh, late adolescence, early 20s. But at this point, back in 85, at this point, after some things had occurred, I gave myself completely over to prayer, 
the word, I was just amazed. Everything I read in the Bible was just amazing. You would think that no one had ever discovered those scriptures before because they just amazed me. Mm-hmm. And from that, um, I guess from that place in my um, state of awe at the word was when God started pulling on my heart. And uh, that was when, you know, the book of Timothy became very prevalent to me. Chapter uh, two and chapter four, uh, the first and second Timothy, those became very prevalent to me, you know, to give myself over to the work of the ministry. And so that was exciting and it was very sobering. So ministry was, it was an honor and it was a place of, you can totally ruin your life if you don't carry yourself properly or don't respect the gospel and don't respect God. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. It all makes perfect sense. Being in the ministry, especially being an associated pastor, is it hard for you to leave quote unquote work at work? If you get what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because when I'm, well, I'm not working now. Well, no, no, I mean like the ministry, like church, like the the church work at work. Is it, is it hard to like, okay, when you leave church and and that's kind of, I know that's hard to say because both you and your husband, that's, that's y'all job more or less. So, so it's hard (laughs) to be like, baby, let's not talk about work right now because that is y'all job. but is it hard for y'all to separate that and leave work at work is it hard for y'all to do that okay so you're saying from the ministry as far as being associate pastors teachers yeah yeah um those kind of things I don't know if there is a separation because uh they actually you know when I'm talking to people I care when I'm um, away from people I care so when I'm praying I'm praying about the people I care about when we're studying, we're studying with the mentality, you know, to get this point across. So somebody's going to need this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't, I kind of, thank God, I'm, I'm kind of in a place that I don't have to separate anymore. But as far as us sitting around and talking and, you know, listening to different things and watching things and talking about our desires to travel and do things, it's all pointing toward ministry. I guess you get to a place in life where, you know, you, you're you're fixated, your mind is fixated in a certain focus and direction. And right now for us, it is ministry. As a, you know, as a, um, as a believer and as a saint, we're always quote unquote, always on, if you will, if, that, if that's a, a way to put it. Like we're uh-huh. always, you know, we're always on like, and even, even when we're not necessarily trying to be on, we're on, yeah. you know, just like having a regular conversation. The next thing you know, you're ministering to somebody, even though you're not trying to, it just kind of yeah. happens. So, so that, that, I guess that's where I'm going with that. Like, you, you just know, can't, I, go ahead. I'm you, sorry. You got, no, you, you, that's a good point. And you don't want people to think that, oh my gosh, she's quoting scriptures 24 hours a day. She's always praying. If you call her, she's going to say praise the Lord when she answers phone <laughs> you know just, just churchy gonna, all the yeah, time just churchy, got some music going in the background right Jesus is every 10 words you know out of her mouth right you know, it's not like that but I, I I will tell you um probably the reason we are where we are 
and the way we are is because there was a vacuum. So this was over the past 20 years, and we both know we have a call and a place in God. But there was a vacuum, and that vacuum was not being given the platform. Let's put it like that. We didn't have the platform to do a lot of the teaching and the speaking, but it was festering inside of us. So we had to sit back and listen to others. And, you know, and then of course we go off and do our jobs and, and then we did do some traveling and we enjoy family and socialization and bringing kids over and our grandchildren. And, and then my husband's from a big family. So we did a lot of socialization, you know, even with family and friends. But as far as that burning desire to, to minister, to preach and to teach, we didn't have the platform. It wasn't it wasn't presented to us, if you understand what I'm saying. It's almost as if it was being held back. So after a while of that, after 10, 15 years of that, you're ready. Yes. Yeah. And that's where we're at right now. We're ready and you know, and, and, and God's timing is just phenomenal. Yeah. God's timing is perfect timing. It is perfect timing. So, no, if it weren't for the times that we sat there for years and years and years, and sometimes you listen to things and you go, we heard that, um, good point, okay, amen, you know, but then you still have in you, you know, but this message is burning in my spirit and this, you know, this 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 word is, is you know, it's in my heart. So you have when you're shut up, and you kind of have a, a cork in your mouth and you can't say anything. Right. Once they take it out, it's coming, it's going to gush out. And that's where it's at right now. Amen. But, yeah. When you received your call. Yes. Were you willing or did you run? Yeah. Um, I'm the weird one. And so a lot of people said, oh, no, I didn't want to do it. I was, I said, oh, no, I, they said they told God I am not going to do that. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not questioning anybody's um, stance, you know, because no telling uh, what they were thinking, what, what they would have to go through in order to, you know, really be a committed minister. And some of the things that they may have seen, maybe family members were pastors and, and they'd seen a lot and maybe they felt, you know, there was so much they would have to sacrifice. Now for me, and I think I was 27, but for me, it was exciting. I was just getting back into that place, maybe just a few years before of giving myself, I am going to put church, I'm, I'm going to be faithful in my job, but I'm going to put church out front. And then I would listen to the ministers and I was excited. And so when it came to me and it occurred to me that God was dealing with me and one of our elders told me that that's what it had, that's what was going on. He was one of the pastoral assistants and he told me that he said, God is dealing with you right now. So me, okay, people say that kind of thing all the time. That's fine. I'm going to go and pray about it. But when he, uh, the pastor was teaching and he began to talk about people resisting the call of God. I felt like I needed to just slide right off my seat 
and just get under this <laughs> the pew in, in front of me because there was a sense of shame that I was getting overwhelmed with. But when this when when it became clear after talking to my pastor, and he told me, you know, if this, he said, I just want to ask you a few questions. And he asked me some questions and I responded. He said, well, Sister Valerie, if that's what's going on, God is dealing with you. He said, so uh, when do you, when will you be ready to preach your first sermon? And I said, well, I'll pray about it and I'll come back and talk to you. And he just shook his head. Mm-hmm. And then when it finally when it finally hit, I was very happy, but then I was afraid. I was afraid that, you know, I was going to have this place to get up in front of everybody and the anointing was just not going to slow. It was going to be embarrassment. I've seen wow. it before. <laughs> wow. I've seen it before where people have gotten up and they said they were called and I can't say that they weren't. I can't, can't say God didn't call them, but it just it just didn't come. The word didn't come. The message didn't go across. The anointing was not there. And I was afraid that I was the next one to have that type of an appearance and presentation. So for that reason, I ran. But for the, the honor of being called to preach the gospel, that was great to me. I was excited wow. about that. Very honored. Yeah, you are in a small percentage. Small. (laughs) Yes, ma'am. Very small because everybody, including yours truly, we are runners. (laughs) Oh, no. That's hard. Isn't it hard? Uh, Yes. It's hard to run because, but, but it's, you know, with God's grace and mercy, he allows you to run. I mean, because you're going to end up where he wants you to be anyway. You're going to, you're going to collapse somewhere. Oh girl, that's not even a collapse. It's straight hit your head, fall, bump your knee, land on your (laughs) tailbone, you know, hit your funny bone where it just hurts your whole body, hit your pinky toe. All kinds of shocks and sensations going through. It's terrible. It's it's awful. It's awful. But we continue to run and be hard-headed. But, you know, again, thank God for his grace and his mercy. And, you know, he just lets us be the silly people that we are. And he just sit there and cross his legs like, I'll wait. But you're going to do it. But I'll... <laughs> you're going to do it. And, and it's not, I'm going to force you to do it. No. It's more or less, it's a thing, I know your heart. And I yeah. know you're going to surrender. You're going to do it. But I see you like to, you know, I see you prefer to go around the block a few times. And, um, yeah, you're putting yourself through a lot of unnecessary things. But you have to feel, I guess, you know, when you get there, you'll be there. When that yeah. feeling and when that, that, that surrender comes, you'll probably be the, probably one of the most committed ever. Yeah, some of us is not even around the block. It's around the globe a few times, but you know. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just keeping it 100. (laughs) I want you to. I want you to do exactly that. That's beautiful. (laughs) And you know, it's, it's a journey. It's a walk. And even now, I will still be like, are you for real? Yeah, are you still are you still talking about that? <laughs> are you serious? Are we still talking about this? I thought we moved on and made some other decisions, but no. You're like, Lord, you, you still talking to me? 
You sure you still want to be bothered with me after all of this? You sure that you got the right area code? You you must dial the wrong number. Oh, please. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> uh, you know what? And I'm going to tell you, the scripture says that he that is forgiven for much, the same loveth much. And when you really, your eyes really open and you say, you know, God has been so long suffering and temperate with me and kind in, um, you know, my resistance, but I'm so glad he understands my resistance. It's not rebellion, you know, it's just oh no, that, no. that, that feeling of not being uh, comfortable with, with it. Um, but when he does, uh, your love for him, is going to be so beautiful. It's, 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 it's a place in God that you'll never you'll never stop looking back at when you really accepted it and the embrace. It's kind of like I've been waiting to hug you and when you finally hug him and he embraces you with so much comfort, so much anointing, you'll you'll be overflowing. So look forward to the day when you yeah. give in. Mm -hmm. so the conversation I have with God on a daily is, Lord, in spite of my flaws and in spite of the thorns that is in my side, just please, you know, just grace me. Just grace me. Yeah. You know, so he knows. He knows. He does. Yeah, he, he knows. Does. Absolutely. He knows. So I'm not what I used to be, so thank God. Well, that that I love the title of your program, Worldly Church Girl. Mm -hmm. I was going to ask you, you know, a little, you know, I was hoping that you'd share that a little bit. Why you yeah. Oh, no problem. Um, it's based off, I'm writing a book off my, my life and I come from a very strong Pentecostal background mm. and, um, raised in a Pentecostal faith and I'm, I still am Pentecostal mm -hmm. and, um, and I am saved and I'm sanctified through the Holy Ghost. Mm -hmm. And, but, um, I wasn't always saved as you can, as I said, I, I was a runner and, um, I didn't get saved until later in life. Okay. And so that's basically what the book is about. And I could not think of a title of the book. And I was talking to my husband about it. I said, I cannot think of a title. And the Lord gave it to me, Worldly Church Girl. Mm -hmm. And it, it was really because I never really felt like I fit in. Even mm -hmm. when I was in the church, I really felt like I was a sore thumb. And when I was, well, in while I am in church, I felt like a sore thumb. And when I was out in the world, I felt like I was a sore thumb because I felt like I was too worldly for the church. And I felt like I was too churchy for the world. Mm -hmm. And um, at one point, I remember I walked into the church and I was just like, Lord, I, I'm just done. I'm just going to stop coming to church because I just don't feel like I belong here. And the Lord said to me, clear as day, how can I draw anybody like you in here if nobody's like you is here? Yeah. I was like, I, oh. I was like, well, there you go. Guess there I can't go. Go. So I guess I can't go nowhere. Mm -hmm. And because um, my pastor and his wife, they never turned me away. They never made me feel like I didn't belong or, or didn't fit in. Yeah. Um, they showed me nothing but love and they, and, and that meant much to me. And so, mm -hmm. um, and I, and so, um, I just started searching the word for myself 
because I had so many questions um, as when I got older and matured in this walk, I was like, a lot of things didn't make sense. I'm like, a lot of things that things were said, I was like, well, this isn't scripturally based. Hmm. A, lot, a lot of things were, I felt were man-made rules. And so when I started searching for myself, I was like, they are man-made rules. <laughs> These are not like scripture based things I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's how the title came about and um, started the podcast because I found out that a lot of people were feeling the same way mm-hmm. as far as their businesses or careers or whatever they were doing in their professional walk or their professional life. They were. Um, faith-based people, spiritual people, say people, however they want to call themselves, and they were didn't have a platform to speak their truth or to talk about what they were doing in their in their walk or their business and also their faith at the same time. They didn't have a place to do that. That's how the podcast started. And I interviewed um AJ who was from Awesome Guy Radio. They run. They were nominated in 2017 for um, a Stella Award. Yeah. And he liked my show, and he liked the way I interviewed him. So he asked me to do the live show for their radio show. Okay. That, so that's how I ended up being on Facebook. Okay. That's how that all came about. Well, the topic or your 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 title, the name of your show, Worldly Church Girl, um, it just yeah, as you were saying, you kind of felt displaced, whether on either side, you mm-hmm. just, just feeling displaced and uncomfortable, um, or not complete, and and sometimes that's just the way it is. But as you were saying, God dealt with you. How will He be able? Um, to draw other people that are feeling and experiencing the same sense of being displaced as you are. Mm -hmm. And what I like about it is that you are being who you are and not trying to just emulate somebody else. Mm -hmm. You are being, you know, Lillian, you're being yourself and you're not trying to uh, adjust your tone or your personality, and you don't have to. So one thing that Paul, when he was, um, what he said I, I, in this past Sunday school's lesson, he said, I serve God with my spirit. Well, when he was talking about his own spirit, well, you mm-hmm. know, Paul, Paul was a very aggressive individual. He went about getting search warrants and arrest right. warrants and everything. So mm-hmm. he was very aggressive. But mm-hmm. when he said, I serve God with my spirit, that he's saying, I take that same aggression and I'm taking that same determination, but I'm serving the living God with it. So with your personality and who you are, don't try to just be somebody else, be exactly who you are, because there is a whole generation out there, um, both the millennials and Generation Z that need to see exactly what it is to be your own personality and then to know, okay, this is Bible. This is not Bible because we don't want them to turn away. And a lot of them are looking saying, that's not scripture. We can't wear that. We can't go there. That's not scripture. We don't want to be bothered. But you know, when he raises up a woman like you, then those are the ones we know can be reached because God has already prepared somebody. 
So I would love to see how this goes. Make sure that I get the invitation. <laughs> I want to I be on the Amen corner in the Amen corner on the front Thank row. You. We're preaching that first. Oh there. Lord! Oh, I want to be there. I want to be there. And if I can't be there, you're going to have to post it somewhere on social media because I'm going to need to see exactly how this how this shook out. Amen. Because um. I tell you, I, I, and I, I thank you for saying that because I have been really struggling because I'm like, you know, I'm not a preachy person and, you know, and I watch other people on their live shows and I'm like, that's just not my style. I can't uh, be that. That's not, that, thank that's you. not who I, that's not who I am. I'm not that thank person. You. I'm like, thank I'm a jokey, jokey, talky, conversationalist person. I'm, that's mm-hmm. not my flow. And I'm like, I can't, I hope people don't expect to tune into my shows and, and expect to see, uh, like a, a, a sermon, a, a Creflo, a female Creflo dollar. They're not going to see oh, it. Taffy dollar. No, yeah, no, no. Not gonna I don't think that. that they're looking for that. I think that that's what they're running away from. It's like, okay, we've seen that. And it really doesn't, um, it's not us. It's not our, culture is not relevant to mm-hmm. our, our cohort so sure. you know what you're doing and you may not know it your podcast is going around the world and you're talking to hearts and minds all over the place that feel just like you are because they've come through and seen a lot of things that you have seen and so you're speaking to their hearts right now so you're already ministering you're just doing it by way of a podcast Mm-hmm. And some of the times, you know, you don't want to walk. If everybody preaches the same, what, what's the point? Because we don't all learn the same. Mm-hmm. We don't all uh, walk the same. We don't enjoy the same type of movies. We don't enjoy the same type of entertainment. There's right. so much variety and diversity in the world that when they come into the church, then there needs to be variety. Everybody can't right. get up and shake the mic the same way and have that same emotional, frothy type of delivery. Everybody's not going to be turned by that. Right. Some people like expository. Some people like conversational. Some people just like it down to earth and tell it like it is. Mm-hmm. You know, the Joyce Myers of the world and other people that bring it in a different delivery. So, yeah, you're who you are. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate you. Oh, well, I'll be boohooing on here. How dare you? No, <laughs> okay, and this is back. my first time. I <laughs> know. Uh, I'm gonna get back to you now. Yes, ma'am. Now, tell tell us about your book. The title, Breathe. Tell us about it. Well, um, the the book was actually initially called Spiritual Pain Management. And I kept trying to think of something while I was finishing my my last degree because I said, I'm going to write it the way I want to because, you know, they just hover over you and they just scrutinize everything you do when you're you're, you're, when you're having to produce a paper, whether it's a thesis or um, a dissertation, they just scrutinize it to no end. So I said, well, I can't wait until I graduate and I can write it the way I want to write it. And I was thinking <laughs> of the title. <laughs> and so the title was going to be Spiritual Pain Management. And so I went ahead and reserved that, you know, with the copyright. And then I never got to it. It took years and years and I still hadn't gotten to it. It's like, ah, feeling it but then all of a sudden you know it started changing and with COVID 
with COVID. I guess, you know, there's a time and a season for all things. Mm -hmm. And with COVID, it became very um, needful to talk about grief. So I was writing it and I kept on. Then all of a sudden, the term came to me, breathe, breathe, you know, because, you know, people tell you stop. Now just breathe. You need to just stop and breathe. And so Mm -hmm. it was that. It was that premise that was written on. So the book is a tool for grief management. And when you say grief, most people are going to immediately think about death, um, following death, the, the what you feel following death. So it's not. Grief is anything from, you know, a person getting on your nerves that just grieves you. Um, things that are just unchangeable that you'd like to change it just grieves you if you have a boss that just hovers over you all the time it's grievous Um, constantly not being able to pay bills there's grief there so grief can be anything from minor irritation frustration disappointment Uh, I got grieved because I was a little bit grieved when I couldn't get on this line because (laughs) it was irritating me. Uh (laughs) And do you know those little things will drive your blood pressure up? They will drive your cortisol levels up. They will have your heartbeat going up because these things just happen in the course of a day. The things that happen that change our, our, our moods also change our body chemistry. Mm -hmm. So uh, it can be anything from mild irritation all the way up to crisis and trauma. So I wanted to put some things in there that would help people to, um, first of all, identify uh, I am in a moment and I need to stop and breathe and literally breathe. So that was the first one of the first interventions in the book was uh, a young lady that was she had been struggling and she struggles with depression. But as I listened to her, because that's one of the coping mechanisms, as I listened to her and allowed her to talk, she had been through a lot and she was rightfully uh, frustrated about the way that her life had been. But the more she talked about it, her voice kind of elevated and then it accelerated. So she's now going from a conversation to a monologue to yelling and talking fast. And so I just said, stop. And I said, and now we're going to stop. Mm. And we both paused. I guess she wondered what is getting ready. What is she getting ready to say? Telling me to stop like that. Mm -hmm. I said, now just take a breath. And actually, you know, that breathing, that part right there. It it allowed her heart rate to slow down a little bit. It allowed her to see how she had escalated and how her behavior had changed so vastly. It allowed her to recompose herself and gain control of the moment. Mm -hmm. And then also it carries oxygen to the brain and your blood pressure comes down. Other chemistry in your body is normalized again. So that is one of the basic parts of breathe. So there are some physiological benefits, but for the most part, it's for um, the spiritual 
person and you can just jump in any time but you know when we and i look at your picture and i'm just thinking now she can do with that complexion she can do purple (laughs) (laughs) so you know what i did i just said i love that full colorful radiant look so i went and got some purple eyeshadow and i said i went and got me some purple lipstick i said that's right i'm a little too conservative (laughs) to do the hair but you better believe you're gonna see some purple lips and some eyeshadow coming around now see (laughs) i I tried to get some purple lipstick and i was like i couldn't pull it off which is funny i said because i was you know being daring with the hair but i was like i couldn't do the lipstick i said oh i can't do purple lips though get the right shades and you know get some get get one of those um you know the makeup artists to yeah yeah, I, I must pick the wrong one because I look like I was about to be a vampire on the street. Oh like, yeah, it can get it gets real gothic real quick. You can get <laughs> yeah. Can I was like, gothic. oh, I said, oh lord, this is mm-mm. no, that's <laughs> not what we're. That's not the look I was going for. Yeah. You know? Um. So those and little things like that. Do you know that that even brought self care? Mm-hmm. You know, a little bit of self care pampering. That brought a little bit of uh, relief, it brought a little excitement. You know what it did? It took my mind off the crazy things that were going on, aggravating things, because I was, oh, look at that, and oh, let's try this color. You know, it, it removes you from the frustration, even if it's for a period of time. So there's some little things in there like that um, as far as grief. So it's, it's comprehensive because I went and took some of the stories of the most dreadful times and the darkest times of my own life. And at a time when I didn't know about breathe, I didn't know about grief or coping mechanisms or strategies. And I look at the way that I went through that and it made me cry. And these, some of these things happened so long ago. It just made me cry that I suffered those things and did not have these mechanisms. And, and the fact that those kind of things had happened to me, you know, Mm -hmm. you would think, why did I deserve to have to go through that? What was it? You know, I, I, I felt a little bit about, you know, why did God bless someone else to have a a fulfilled life in these different areas and minds has just been torn up. So I had some feelings toward him and then I had some feelings toward life. And then I had some feelings if I could just go back and change. And you know, that's a form of denial because you can't go back and change. Right. So I was realizing that I had some things going on in me that really needed to be resolved and breathe helped me to do it. And it helped me to work my way through it. Now, as I wrote um, and put it all together, as I started putting these stories together, and you can always jump in, um, I wrote from the perspective of having been a hospice chaplain. Uh So I worked with people at the end of life and their families and the struggle and the reality of having to accept that what we had prayed would never happen and what we had hoped would not, you know, would not come to this, this type of an end. So I worked with them and I'd seen their struggling there. Then in a hospital, you know, from their diagnosis, I worked as a hospital chaplain. So they were just diagnosed and they were hoping that the medication or, um, 
you know, maybe their diet or regimen or lifestyle changes would alleviate what they were going through. But it was a journey. It was a real journey. So I work with people in grief on that level. I work with the Detroit Police Department. Mm -hmm. And so that was in a law enforcement environment, which was high paced and, you know, highly volatile at any moment, any given moment. You know, I will just say they don't pay them what they're worth. So those those type of areas and then just having been a minister and then having had my own life. So I looked at a lot of the, the different ways that people had been thrown into grief or, you know, they just woke up one day and found themselves over their head in grief. And I looked at my life. And so I started writing. And the best way that um, after I wrote and added coping mechanisms, things that worked, things that didn't work, how it turned out, how it didn't turn out, in the church, out of the church. And then I took Helen Kubler-Ross's Five Stages of Grief mm -hmm. and uh, applied it to each chapter. So each chapter is going to delineate whether you are in denial or whether you are in shock or whether you are in that stage of anger or that stage of bargaining. And it, it just plays out. It just tells you right at the beginning with the name of the chapter. And then it will tell you what we're going to be exploring in this chapter. And the stories are very vivid. Um, I don't apologize for my transparency. Stories are very vivid. And um, I've had people to tell me I felt like I was in the room. I can really see it. And I've had people tell me I closed that chapter when I got to the end of that one and I cried like a baby. I've had other people to say that, you know, that is exactly what I, I went through. I relate to that. And then others have said, well, this is not only showing me how to navigate the grief that was still there that I didn't know that I was still struggling with or living with. I had learned to live with a level of disappointment that I wasn't even realizing, you know, I've still got some, un I'm unhappy about some things that have happened and I haven't closed that out and reconciled that. But I've had people say I've used it also to learn how to get through things in everyday life. And, 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 and strangely enough, Lily, mm -hmm. I've had to use this on myself. So it was, <laughs> I had to use my own book on myself. We had, uh, and you know, that's a good book if you can use it on you. <laughs> I had to, it's like physician, you're going to need to heal yourself now because you're doing exactly what that person did in chapter number six. Don't mm -hmm. start that again. So it's kind of, you know, I had someone to come over. We had a contractor real quick come over and um, they were going to charge us out of, just ridiculously to fix the problem. And then when I said, don't pay that, that's ridiculous. We'll just take it to the dealership. And then he wanted his service charge. Well, he didn't do anything. He didn't deserve it, but he came out. So we paid. So I was grieved about that. My husband was grieved about it. He mm. came all the way out here. We didn't get anything out of him. We just lost $30. And I had to tell myself, you know what? He is gone. He got the money. He is gone. Mm -hmm. He's not coming back. They're not going to give the money back. Why am I going to sit here and be angry about it all day and let my blood pressure go up or let my frustration level be out of control so that I can't manage the way that I'm speaking to other people? I can't even enjoy the moment for being mad at him. Does he deserve that kind of power over my life? Absolutely not. <laughs> we're going to calm down. We are going to breathe here. We're going to take a breath and we're going to move forward. And that was wow. that. That wow. was that. 
Now you also have a, you made it into like a workbook slash journal too, right? Yeah, I did. I did put some areas in it because I wanted people to apply the different things that were being said. I wanted them to experience the mechanisms or whatever strategy was added there. So I gave them a space to do the exercise and then try to um, articulate how and if that worked. So that way you didn't just read it and put it down and say, oh, okay, well, you know, I read it with some good points. No, you've used it, you've tried it. And once you've practiced it, practiced it, then it becomes something that in your mind you'll say, well, you know what, that worked. Maybe I just need to go ahead and do that. Let me try that. So I wanted people to engage in these mechanisms and strategies. So I turned it into a workbook with exercises and activities as well. I'm glad you did that because um, you're right. There are so many different forms of grief. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's something that not only the world in general doesn't really focus too much on, but the church really doesn't either. Cause I think the church really just goes, you know, they went home to glory. Let's celebrate their life and then pray for the family when they go home. And then that's it, yes. you know, and that's all we, we'd say, but you know, it's a process grieving. Is, I mean, it is. And, and, and it's not just like a few months. It, it's a pro it's, it's an ongoing process. You sometimes a life going process. You are so, so, so correct because some of these things, you know, it, you think about it. I have um, a part of it and we'll talk about it. There's going to be a master class and we're going to talk about a term that I coined <clears throat> pardon me, in, um, in grad school called grief parameters. So these are the things, you know, para, you know, being around meters, you know, distance. These, some of these things are still within our range of grief. There are still um, things that can trigger sorrow, trigger um, pity, um, regret. And a lot of things that have happened in life are still there. So when we've had the the finalization of the services, the funeral, and then you pray for the family, you give them a good send off, you get up and say great things about them. And then you go home, then they go home. And we had all of that for my father, the first one to pass away in our family, you know, my immediate family. And then I went home and I had made him come and stay with me because he was in and out of the hospital a lot, and I wanted to make sure he was eating right, taking his meds right, that he always had somebody there, you know, that could help him. And my mother was sick, so I had to make sure that all these things were happening so I didn't lose him. Well, mm-hmm. after the funeral was over, and I went home, I had a whole closet. My father dressed well, and I had a closet that I would not touch, and nobody else could touch it. And for 10 years... I would not give away any of those very fine clothes mm. and coats. And I knew people that could wear them and like them, and you know, that would, would very much uh, have done well to have them. But I couldn't. It was hard because it felt like I was not ready to let them go. I wasn't ready to let them go, but I wasn't ready. It was kind of a way of still having him with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So those kind of things were still were still a problem. And, you know, so now with COVID, 
it has changed the way that we live, right? Mm -hmm. It has changed the way we die. Mm -hmm. People die alone. Mm -hmm. Not with family at the bedside. You know what they always say? Oh, they died. With, they they passed away with their family, surrounded by family. Well, it's changed that. Mm -hmm. And then it's changed the way we grieve. Because at the funeral, you know, that's a part of, of, of the comfort. Then they had limitations on mm -hmm. who could come. And a lot of them were virtual. Mm -hmm. So, you know, then grief has now been exacerbated by this pandemic and the way the world has changed. So some friends told me, you need to write that book. And I was in the middle of it. Well, I was probably 90% finished with one book. But when I started talking to them about grief, they said, you really need to write it because we're in the holiday season and there's suicide and there's a lot of grief because this has been a, a dreadful year. So between the first week in November and the second week of December, I went through the whole and wrote the whole book by the help of God. Mm -hmm. So it, there's, there is, um, there's a lot to talk about when it comes to grief. And some people don't know they're grieving and they are just, that's why they have a lack of tolerance. Mm -hmm. and maybe that's why they're so mean. Maybe that's why, you know, they're, they, they maintain high blood pressure levels. Maybe that's why, you know, they're sick and they're coming down with cancer and all kinds of, because a lot of times, like I said, your chemical makeup changes with mm -hmm. grief. It's mm -hmm. with grief and disappointment, unforgiveness, anger, all of that suppresses mm -hmm. your immune system. So now your body's opened up to catch things that you normally would have been able to fight off. Mm -hmm. So right. it's kind of a violent, it's kind of a, a, a vicious cycle. Mm -hmm. and, uh, the way to do it, I just it just made sense, is to modify and manage your grief. Wow. So which kind of goes into your nonprofit organization too? Yes. Tell us about and that. So, okay, so the the um organization actually had started it um some years ago. It's called Reset Forever Ministries. And I started it with a radio program. And that, you know, you can only go so far and so wide with a radio program. And then you have to pay a lot of money. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's just costly. And I was trying to do a broadcast every weekend in this particular area of the country. And then it just wasn't going very, very far. And so we finally got into podcast. So it turned into a podcast and it started going around the world. And... um my husband and I worked that together. And again, this is for grief, support and comfort and consolation, but we do it through the Sunday school lesson. So he's a, he's an ordained elder. And then, so we were ordained the same day and uh, we started doing the Sunday school lessons for this particular, um, out of this Sunday school book. And I started getting calls and interactions from different countries, people that were hearing the broadcast. So, and it's not costing me anything. So, you know, now instead of paying so much money every month just to go into a certain community, it's going around the world and people are, are being reached. So we're um, putting out um, not only the, the, the Sunday school lessons, but 
Also, I'll go live and I'll 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 say some things. I may re do a reading out of the book, but the right now we just moved into 501c3 status, and with that, we are going to go into helping uh, people in homeless shelters, people uh, the vets, you know, the homeless vets that don't get a lot of care. Um, Children that are in foster care and about to age out of the system, you know, they die within years either of drug drug uh, abuse or imprisonment. They may be in prison or um, they just can't survive. They just can't mm -hmm. survive. So they age out of the system and don't have a family to hug them and hold them and love them. And uh, anybody that they necessarily belong to that they can look back and say that they're attached to, well, you know, we are designed to be attached. Mm -hmm. So that detached life, and that is chapter six in my book um, about being detached. And it's, it's such a, it's such a painful place to be in that I want to present, provide some type of community for them. Um, something as small as, you know, giving them, um, an annual event where they can all come together and have community and discuss their plans and build one another's thoughts up and they can be a family within themselves. And if I had it on the highest end, I would build a, a multi-living uh, structure where they had cafeterias and shops. And then they also had their apartments, you know, maybe beauty shop and, and uh, barbershop all in the same building. And they would be the ones that would be paid to keep the grounds, to run the stores, to run the uh, cafeterias, those kind of things. So that they're a family and they're, they're able to um, be gainfully employed as well have a, a place to stay. So that would be the ultimate idea. So Reset Forever is going to provide grief with support through preaching, teaching, literary work, such as my book. There's a couple more that'll be out before the end of this year and uh, all types, types of community platforms, online platforms. We're just going to reach out as far and wide as the Lord allows us to, to comfort somebody, lift somebody up. Amen. Beautiful. Now, what was the best advice someone has ever given you? Ooh, the best advice. Oh gosh. I think about my um my older sister. She was she she kind of put me in a place. It was very practical. It wasn't churchy, but um <laughs> It was a little bit, and I was in the church at that time, but somebody had did something and I had decided I was 13. So I'm going to put that out there. Mm -hmm. And I decided, you know, they should not have done that. And I am going to, He's gonna let I'm going to get revenge. <laughs> <laughs> I am going to retaliate. And this is going to hurt them more than it's going to hurt me. Mm -hmm. And, and so when I decided that my sister said, well, you have to remember you have to you have to take one to give one. So some in other words, I had to take a blow if I was gonna land a blow if I was okay. gonna get this fight. Yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and so I can take that and say, 
you know, sometimes you're going to go through things because you're doing something for the Lord, or you may be doing something very worthwhile in life, and you may come across a few rough patches and stumble a little bit, you know, go through some hardship. Well, if you're going to give, you're going to have to be prepared sometimes to receive and just withstand, you know, withstand, you know, having done all to stand, stand. So I've learned how to make up my mind that if I'm going to do something, then whatever comes with it, I'm just going to have to roll with the punches. No pun intended, but that was the the advice. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) You got anything else coming up? Yeah, there's a book I'm working on, the second book in the series, and there's actually two books coming up. Um, But before that, we're going to do the master class, which is going to go over the tenets of the book. And we're going to talk about some of the things that didn't make it into the book and how people relate to those type of things and the application of these uh, grief um, mechanisms and strategies. And then also to be able to support one another. I used to um, host a grief support group, a bereavement support group for people that had lost loved ones. And I did that at the hospital for five years. I did it in hospice for four years. So it's going to also provide you group and community. So that's going to bring people together. That's coming up next month. And that will be out on the website, which is Reset Forever. Dot com. That's going to be out on the website. Very reasonable because we're in a pandemic. Um, uh, then the other thing is uh, the next book in the series. I've already begun writing. And the book that I was writing before this one was suggested is 90% finished. I'm just waiting to make sure that God is inspiring me to go ahead and pick that book up and conclude it. Okay. As opposed to putting out the next one. So we have a lot of things coming. A awesome. lot of things coming. Amen. Now, how can people contact you or find you? They can find me a number of ways. I am at, well, I'm on, uh, of course, I'm on, everybody is on Instagram and Twitter. So it's um, Dr. Valerie Simpson. Um, on both of those, really, I'm going to tell you, don't just type in Valerie Simpson because you will get Nick Ashford's wife. Okay. <laughs> and she has been around for a long time and she has many accomplishments. Mm-hmm. So you will be out there looking at her for so long, you'll forget about me. So mm-hmm. you have to put in Dr. Valerie Simpson and that's the way it's listed on Facebook, um, on Twitter, and on Instagram. Also, I have a website, uh, resetforever.com. You can reach me there and you can find there's a toll free number there if you want to con- uh, contact me. But uh, a lot of information is out there. And uh, I am an assistant associate pastor under Bishop Lambert Gates the presider of PC of AFI. And then I wanted to say, I do have a couple of trips coming up. I don't know. Do you think that's relevant? It's always relevant. Okay. I have a couple. Trips are fun. Yeah. Yeah. This one is a little beyond fun. This one's more uh, in ministry and labor and the gospel. So Mm -hmm. um, we'll be going over into um, Pakistan. Oh, wow. Wonderful. Uh, and that invitation was a spinoff from the podcast. Wonderful. <laughs> Amen. 
So those will be some, there will be crusades, pastoral training and seminars and revivals at various churches throughout Pakistan. And I've been asked to come over to India, which I um, right now am doing conferences for them, women's conferences for them, but we're doing them on Messenger and on Zoom. So that's the way, but they want me to come face to face. So whatever God, if God is in it, I'm going. If he's not. Wow. Well, congratulations for the doors that God is opening up for you. You know, that door, we talked about that. That platform yes, did. It was not available to me. But, you know, when God opens a door, you don't have to ever worry about whatever doesn't happen or does happen. He is either allowed or he has, you know, not allowed. Mm-hmm. So people can't really stop what he's doing. They just can't stop his hand. Amen. So I look forward to those things. Oh, I can't wait. Let me know the dates. Okay. I'm excited for you. So I have one last question for you. Are you ready? I believe. Um, let's see. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here you go. If you could have any song be your theme song, when you mm-hmm. walk into a room, what would it be and why? Wow. Ooh. Okay, um, you know, In the Midst of It All by Yolanda Adams. Oh, oh, that was my song, yes. Yeah, he kept me, ooh, he kept me. Yes. kept me in the midst of it all, in the midst of, and that it all is vast. I am telling you, God shows up in ways it's like, what, you're here? Okay, thank you. And, and oh, what, what just happened to him? You know, God was there. Um, and, and I'll just give you one little, little hint. I had a Bible bookstore. Somebody came in to rob me. And um, it was two young guys and a lady. She was cooperating with them to get into the store. The door was locked. She said, I just need something on here. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, come on in. And when I opened the door, they came from behind where they were hiding, came in and came to rob me. And I don't know what they saw, but the lady left so quick, I didn't even know she was gone. Mm-hmm. And the other guy was still there. And whatever he saw, he left. And the last person that was there was trembling. And he pulled money out of his pocket and Jesus. threw it on the counter and thanked me and left. And, uh, oh, in the midst of it all. So I don't know what they saw, but he was, he was right there in the midst of it all. So, yeah, I guess, you know, he kept me. Whatever you know about me, whatever you've seen about me, it was God that kept me. Yes. Amen. Well, praise God. Thank you. My God. Oh, I love that song. That, That song used to just break me down. Yeah, I remember being in tears, just dripping off of my face, listening to that song, yeah. just over the reality of how real he had been, how tangible he had been. Yes, absolutely. Well, I cannot thank you enough. Thank you. I enjoyed you so much. Enjoy you. Thank you, Valerie, for being on my show. I really enjoyed you. Thank you for all the encouraging words that you've given me. And thank you for all the encouragement that you're giving to the world. 
I cannot wait to see all the wonderful things that you're doing for God's kingdom. And if you would like to be on Worldly Church Girl, click the link below, shoot me an email, and let's see what we can do with that thing. And hey, did you know Worldly Church Girl is going live? That's right, Worldly Church Girl is now live. You can catch me on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. And have you subscribed yet? Why not? What are you waiting for? You don't want to miss another episode. They only get better and better. And as always, thanks for joining your one and only Worldly Church Girl.